G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Tuesday, good to catch up with breaking news that's happening even as we speak that's coming out of the Middle East and especially as it affects the nation of Israel and some significant news today. Ron Ross is back with us. Hello, Ron. Welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Ron, I must say, this looks like one of the more exciting things you could be talking about on a morning like this. Uh, The idea that there's been more archaeological excavation around the tomb or the place where traditionally people say that Jesus' body was laid after his crucifixion. Now, this slab that Jesus' body lay on apparently uh, uncovered in Jerusalem. Yeah, and it was only discovered because of restoration work uh, taking place at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem. Uh, The Israeli police and the Israel Antiquities Authority had ruled that the uh, facility uh, was dangerous for tourists. And therefore, the people involved, the various Christian denominations involved in using that church, uh, came to an agreement that something had to be done. Uh, And this limestone slab uh, was uncovered during that restoration work. It was located inside the edicule, a small chapel marking what's thought to be uh, the exact site of Jesus' tomb. Scientific analysis has begun to try and get a better idea of whether Jesus' body really was laid on the slab or not. The Church of Holy Sepulchre is one of the most significant pilgrimage sites for Christians and is a major place of worship for Catholic, Armenian Orthodox and Greek Orthodox believers living in Israel. Work began last year to restore it after it was shut down because of those safety concerns. Uh, But it's just been described in uh, huge headlines and uh, in... uh, Awesome words uh, by the uh, archaeologists involved, and of course, it's a highlight for us. Ron, I couldn't resist having a quick look at that news site just before we came on to talk about this, because uh, apparently what's happened is that they've removed a covering from it, and there's been a cross inscribed in the uh, in the rock underneath the covering and the covering of course was there to protect uh, the actual slab because people would want to be taking bits of souvenir away with them and uh, and there'd be nothing left of it before long but uh, it was protected but now uncovered yeah i've been in there in in the facility many many times and uh, it's shoulder to shoulder with tourists and of course pilgrims who go there for prayer and intercession Uh, It's a very populous place, so you could imagine human nature being what it was. I'll take a little bit, you take a little bit, and before you know, there's no bits. (laughs) And there's more archaeology to talk about. Archaeologists spotlighting the first Solomon Temple era artifacts ever found on the Temple Mount. What's the story here? Well, this is the first uh, artifacts unearthed in situ on the Temple Mount, 
ever conclusively dated to the time of the first temple over 2,600 years ago. The discoveries were made during a limited scientific excavation carried out on top of the Flashpoint Temple Mount. And uh, very interesting, the uh, Israeli and the Muslim authorities had to cooperate because we had the same sort of circumstance as at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Uh, conditions of the pipes and underground uh, plumbing were not good and therefore repairs had to be done. And highly sensitive Israeli excavations uh, had to be conducted uh, with the Islamic WAC giving their approval. The artifacts excavated from the mount, detailed in a paper and presentations at a conference at Hebrew University, are said to include olive pits, animal bones and pottery fragments dating to the time of the first temple between the 8th and 6th centuries BCE. Archaeologists have previously found a limited number of artefacts from the first temple period in Jerusalem, but none of these finds were uncovered on top of the temple mount itself. Now, I'm led to believe there will be more artefacts revealed in future times, uh, but there's more scientific testing to be done before that takes place. Now, Ron, tensions are nothing new for the entire Middle East, tensions between Israel and surrounding nations, but there's a new tension now between Israel and the United Nations. Uh, Some plans to examine the treatment of human rights groups. Yes, a UN Mideast envoy has announced that he plans to examine the treatment of human rights organisations by the Israeli government. Michael Lynch a special representative for human rights in the Palestinian territories, has accused the Netanyahu government of seeking to delegitimize rights organizations. His premise is predicated on domestic reaction to officials of self-described human rights organizations speaking against government policy before the Security Council. Israel's ambassador to the UN, Danny Danon, in an angry reply, said the UN official is not credible because he heads a biased organization. He said the lies spread by extremist organizations are ammunition in the hands of those hostile to Israel. Uh, it's the rivalry goes on, I guess. And that's not the only tension that's going on. There's some tensions, too, rising between the Palestinian Authority and refugees. What's the story there? They're actually physical clashes uh, between the Palestinian Authority security forces and residents of the Balata refugee camp. And uh, it broke out three times in 10 days and uh, reached a climax on the weekend. Palestinian Authority security forces entered Balata, the refugee camp, at 2.30 a.m. to carry out arrests, but immediately met resistance from armed residents. Uh, That was a comment from a local leader in the camp. Both sides exchanged fire until the security forces withdrew four hours later. The clashes left two residents and one Palestinian Authority security officer wounded. After the security forces left Balata, Palestinian social media showed hundreds of residents protesting the Palestinian authorities' entry into the camp. Uh, The complaint is uh, the Palestinian Authority 
bulldozed into the situation and threatened the refugees. And a significant time ahead, now just one year away from the centenary of the charge of the Anzac Light Horse on Beersheba and uh, the liberation that happened there. But yesterday, it was October 31st, it was the 99th anniversary of the charge of the Light Brigade, Ron. Yes, and uh, I must confess I have a very personal uh, kinship with this event which took place on the 31st of October, 1917. Uh, I remember when I was very actively a preacher, I used to defy the comment that Australia was the lucky country and rather describe us as the blessed country uh, because of the effect of this raid and its liberation of Israel. And Genesis 12.3 says, if you bless Israel, you'll be blessed. And so I believe Australia was the blessed country uh, as a result directly of the uh, courage of these men. The final phase of this all-day battle was the famous mounted charge. Uh, it commenced at dusk. Members of the brigade stormed the tur- Turkish defences and seized the strategic town of Besheba. I have had the joy of participating many times in the memorial service, which is held at the uh, Besheba Cemetery, uh, where I remember seeing uh, graves um, depicting the deceased, aged 46, uh, lying alongside those aged 15. Uh, some of the Australians faked their age to be part of the group. Uh, it was an amazing victory because uh, in the lead-up all the way into Besheva, uh, there were trenches built uh, to stop the horses. Uh, but these guys galloped through all that and pulled off one of the greatest victories in the Australian Army history. And the plans for the commemoration of the 100th anniversary, just a year away now, as I understand it, Ron, there's, there's plans for a reenactment of that charge. Uh, can you imagine what that might look like if you've been there and you've been on that site? Uh, I've it... stood there and imagined it many times, and uh, there are... Uh, a number of tells, they're small little mountains that are man-made and uh, the Australian light horse hid behind those tells before the charge and then they sent off a group of their horses in the wrong direction so that the Turkish uh, weapons would aim in the wrong direction. And so they came from the other side of the tell and took them by surprise. I went and studied the, uh, the raid at the Australian War Memorial, and I was taken by a comment by Trooper Edward Dengate. He said, we got mounted, cantered about a quarter of a mile up a bit of a rise, lined up alongside the brow of the hill, paused a moment, and then we went at them. And that was the attitude of the guys in the, uh, the, the Great Raid. Well, yesterday was the 99th anniversary of the charge of the Light Brigade and we'll certainly look forward to talking some more about the 100th anniversary that will come up around this time next year. Uh, Ron, wonderful getting your insights as always. Breaking news as it's happening from Israel and the Middle East. Great update today. Thanks so much for being with us again on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. 
Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.